what the West must do and why. As the West gradually gets buried under the two-prong onslaught of migrants and a low birth rate, there arises the question of what is to be done. There is a large and growing population that thinks the solution is to take the easy road. This group, generally the woke, embrace its own extinction. This seems a ridiculous thing to do, but many liberals believe there is no alternative to the problem, but immolation. For them the logical thing to do, is to throw oneself on the pyre of cultural replacement, and hope the end comes quickly. This nihilism seems justified if we assume a declining population cannot survive, and that it is either impossible to reverse the trend or inadvisable. The irreversibility of a declining birth rate is based entirely on the role of liberals. The loss of the maternal instinct is found only in liberals, a group composed mostly of women who would rather die out, than be inconvenienced by motherhood. Yet, it is more than feasible to turn motherhood into a career choice, or even subsidize pregnancy to the point where abortions become a bad economic decision. But more on this later. The fifth thing the West must do is, if not destroy liberalism, then remove its agency. What the West confronts is a world in which the power belongs to Satan. Debate this if you will, but power in the West no longer belongs to the right and even less, to the church. In every way the church, at least in the West, is in retreat. This cannot be allowed to continue. The Crusades were betrayed over and over again, by Western leaders, and this trend has continued apace. We must fight the infidel but more importantly, we have to shore up the church and restore power to the believer. The usurpation of power by a liberal elite cannot continue. We are told that we do not fight flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in the highest places. This is the culture of the East which is incompatible with the West. This evil has flesh and blood faces, but the problem is the system that gives these people agency. There are only two logical possibilities. We are in a war of good against evil or there is only evil. People may gloss this over or reject the claim, but you cannot avoid the logic. Evil has to exist, and no one thinks evil does not exist. If evil did not exist, we can do anything to anyone at any time. If nothing is evil, nothing is wrong. But we cannot admit there is evil in this world unless we accept there is good, also. It cannot be evil to kill a child unless it is good to spare the life of a child. Once we recognize evil, we have also recognized that which is not evil. When we know there is good, we recognize that which opposes evil. Good and evil exists. We cannot make any other assumption. It is a necessary truth. The war of good against evil is the point from which we have to look at this issue of what the West must do and why. We must fight evil and do good. But there is a percentage of persons who are on the other side. Their good is our evil and our evil is their good. We were taught right and left, good and evil, are polar extremes. Absolute evil and absolute good, exist at the opposite ends of an infinitely long continuum. All real things are in the gray area of the middle, being neither totally evil or fully good. But can a war between good and evil exist in such a reality? Can a war wage between good and evil if everyone is a mixture of both features? In such a scenario, the war becomes internalized. We attempt to be a bit better and a little less naughty, each year. In such a world, fighting evil means making good year resolutions and reading books about self-improvement. Indeed, how can we look at someone else and claim they are evil when we all need to improve? But logically there is evil and logically there has to be a good opposed to it. So where has the West gone wrong?
The West holds to a set of precepts, such as do not murder. We know that while we struggle with our own personal demons, there are people who do not struggle, but embrace the darkness, and these people must be destroyed by good men. But that begs the question. In the war of good versus evil, those who are evil have their own precepts. Criminals adhere to rules such as do not squeal and follow orders without question. The good criminal is one that keeps his mouth shut and does what he is assigned. So, the question is what to do when evil is called good and good is called evil? One thing we are certain of, the Bible makes it clear there is a clear and decisive line between what is good and what is evil. There are those who live in the flesh and those who live in the spirit, and there is no intercourse between them, regardless of how you choose to define the word. If there is a line between good and evil and those of the flesh and those of the spirit, there has to be a way to quantify good and evil. There must be a way to divide the sheep from the goats. The Bible alludes to this when it tells us those whom we, as the church, find on earth will be bound in heaven and those who are loosed on earth are loosed in heaven. Christians do not like to read this. They want to be saved by Christ, even going to the extreme of saying these passages refer to Peter in heaven guarding the gates to salvation? This is a dumb reading for the following reasons. If Peter was the rock upon which the church was built and who had the keys to heaven, Jesus himself could not enter without Peter being dead, nor could the thief on the cross, nor anyone else who died before Peter. Interestingly this comment about binding is found in two places, both in Matthew. The first reference is in Matthew 16 verses 13 to 20. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some, Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Many people fastened upon the phrase, Thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church, to claim Jesus builds the church upon Peter. But this belies statements as to whom is the cornerstone, which is Jesus. Jesus builds the church on himself, as the cornerstone. Peter declared Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus states that it is upon this rock, meaning Peter's affirmation and recognition of who Jesus is, that he will build his church. We know this because we know Peter is not the church. We know Peter is no rock. We know Jesus is the rock. We know the promises he makes to Peter are not unique to Peter, but given to the church as a whole. Interestingly, this alternative view is expressed when Jesus talks about handling dissension in the church. Matthew 18 verses 17 to 18 And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church, but if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So, once more Jesus is saying that those loosed on earth will be likewise loosed in heaven. But he is talking to the disciples and by all intents and purposes, to the church. As Jesus now goes on to say. Matthew 18 verses 19 to 20 Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. 
For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Jesus appears to be saying that if people come together in his name and decide something God will do this, as if Jesus himself requested it. This does not sound as Jesus is advocating for an infallible pope. Nor is there even any suggestion that a church ought to have a hierarchical structure. It is our relationship with our church brothers and sisters that reveals our hearts. If our heart is not right with believers, it is not right with God. The church is believers in communion with one another. The easiest way to describe the church is a society of saints. The church is not just the collective it is the activity of living out our faith with other Christians. If someone enters the church but his or her spirituality does not take root, then she or he is ejected from the body. In this sense those who are bound with us, as part of the body of Christ, are equally bound in heaven. The interesting thing is that after his remarks to Peter concerning the establishment of his church, Peter rebukes Jesus and is called Satan by Jesus. This leads to a dilemma for Catholics. The Catholic Church is built on the body of Peter, not Jesus. Matthew 16 verses 22-23 Then Peter took him, and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned, and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. But what is important here is that Jesus gives us two options. The church is built on the flesh of one man or on the corporate body of all believers. This has importance to the present discussion because it tells us that the line between good and evil is not determined by the individual. Peter does not decide who is saved because he, as an individual, does not decide who is good and who is evil. The line between good and evil is a matter for the church to determine. The church cannot forgive evil, but it is the church that sanctifies the faithful. It is works done in faith 